0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Hope that you uh, allowed yourself to be led to that point of worship. You know, we, we we call it a worship service, but what we have is a praise service and uh, because we can all praise together, but we worship individually. And uh, all the music is for is to lead us from that point of praising the Lord to worshiping God. And when we worship God, we tell him who he is and what he means for us. If you would, turn to First John, uh, and worship is declaring worth to, uh, to God the Father, and I hope that you uh, were led this morning to that point of worship. Uh, we, we talked last week about a call to authenticity, and we started last week with the ideal of uh, Barb, if y'all remember Barb we talked about and how she shows up weekly and uh, everything looks great and her her husband Ken also and their children are all great and we talked about Joe and how Joe is a man's man and how he uh, shows up and everybody looks to him and he has the great stories and the, the history of football and being in the military and and then when we look closer, we realize that we were talking about uh, Barbie and Ken and their children and G.I. Joe and, and how so many come to church, and they put on this plastic veneer, veneer that, that others look at and say, "Well, all is fine with them." The problem with that is that's not an authentic Christian. because as we discussed last week, when we put on that fake facade for everyone to look at, we give the impression, that in order to be a Christian we have to be perfect. And this church and that John is writing to here, they were giving that impression, and John in his first letter begins to write, here's the roadmap to Christianity. We talked about joy for the journey a couple of weeks ago, and as John continues to write, first John chapter one down in verse eight, he begins to explain a call to be a, an authentic Christian, authenticity, the, uh, the ideal that uh, people look at Christians in a church and say, well, I don't fit in there or I can't fit in there because of my past or because of, of my present even. Uh, if folks look at our church and they get that impression, folks, we're failing as Christians. Do you agree with that? If, if people look at this church and say, I can't fit in with those people, because they all look perfect. Now, I'm not saying we look perfect during the week. I'm saying when we come here on Sunday, we put on that that perfection face, and we come with this pious look that, hey, everything's great with me. I have no issues. And folks that do have issues, they look at that and say, well, I'm not I'm not like that. I can't fit in with that. Now, I'm not saying anyone here does that. I'm saying let's ask ourselves if we believe what John has to say about a call to authenticity that's given through Christ. Now, if you would, 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 8. And this is John, and he's talking to us as a church. He's talking to these churches in Asia Minor. He said, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So so the first thing I want to remind you from last week is the word sin, singular, okay? We're going to address this in just a minute. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgive us of our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now we're going to stop there this morning because that's as far as we got last week and just a... A real quick review from last week is is really thinking about authenticity and how we get there. The first thing we talked about last week is this. Folks, as a church, as individuals, we all struggle with sin. Amen? There's no one here. Wait a minute. Amen? Amen? We may even have trouble bringing ourselves to saying amen because we all struggle with sin. John says if we say we don't, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And folks, if we're lying to ourselves, then we can look around and people look at us and say, you know what, they claim to be without sin. They're lying to themselves because I know them. So if we come here on Sundays and we claim to be without sin, to have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Now I want to remind you what John's talking about here. When he says sin, singular, he's talking about a sinful nature. When you were born, you received a sinful nature. It's part of. We're children of Adam. that's what the Bible calls us. In other words, it has been passed down from generation to generation. We have a sinful nature within us. That's why Christ says, we need to be born again. And Nicodemus said, "How can we enter our mother and be born a second time?" And uh, Christ says, "You're born of flesh the first time, but you need to be born of the Spirit." and you need to be born again, and when we're born again, in other words, when we tell tell Christ, look, I'm a sinner, and I have sin, I've inherited sin, that's what John's talking about, and I need to be forgiven, then we're born again, and God gives us a new nature. Now, we still have that old nature. Paul says this, there's an old nature and a new nature, and they're at war within me. They're battling within me constantly. So John says this, if we claim not to have that sin nature... Not to, have, not to have inherited that inward disposition of sin. We're deceiving ourselves. We're, denying, uh, we're, we're in denial of, of our truth of who we are, and we're refusing to face up to the facts that we're sinners. Now, I want to go back right here and remind you what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a call to authenticity. We're talking about getting rid of those plastic facades and being real to who we are. And being real as a church, so God calls us to authenticity because none of us are free from our struggle with sin. So we don't need to come on and put up an act on Sunday morning to make other people think that, hey, I'm free from sin. Now, here's the second thing we talked about last week. Confession brings cleansing, First John chapter 1, verse 9. We just read it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John tells the church that, okay, no one's without sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We talked about that word confession last week, which means to acknowledge, literally to say the same thing. It's not just to say, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me my sins, and moving on. It's, John says, we, we name our sins. God, I confess, this is my sin. And I need to be forgiven for this sin. You know the problem with that? It's hard to do sometimes. Matter of fact, as I was looking at this, it says most people in 12-step movements call this searching and fearless moral inventory. So if you get in a 12-step program, of Alcohol Anonymous or something like that, they say we have a, we have a term called fearless searching and moral inventory. When we go before God, we fearlessly search who we are. And folks, if you think that you can't find any sin, then I ask you just to pray, Lord, would you reveal my sin to me? And you know what? You'll get it revealed to you. All of a sudden, you'll be aware of your sins. And John says, we need to confess our sins. And we find, we find a cleansing we find a purification and we need to understand not, God's not going to look at us and say, well, that sin is so great I could never forgive that. that the, the, God doesn't operate that way. He, he forgives all sins if we come and confess it. So God calls us to authenticity with each other because our confession brings cleansing from our sins. So when we come together, I'm not saying that you uh, have to... We talked about this last week. We don't have to go through a priest God took care of that when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and took away that need for, a, for a, someone to be our, uh, our go-between, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we, we confess our sins to God, and folks, it doesn't hurt sometimes to confess our sins to one another that we can be accountable for our sins, that we can tell a a, a brother or sister in Christ that we gain through fellowship, and we talked about what fellowship means, and, and we can say, hey, I struggle with this, and I need your prayers, and I need some help with this. Why don't we do that? Because we've got this facade that we don't want anybody to know we struggle with sin. True or false? We do that, don't we? I mean, how could I confess to you that I'm dealing with this sin when you think I'm perfect? Well, folks... We don't think you're perfect. <laughs> and and I hope you don't think I'm perfect. If you do, have lunch with Denise. Because she can straighten all that out real quick. See, the reason we recoil from that is how could I how could I tell others I'm struggling? You know why that comes to our mind? Because we're struggling with authenticity. See, we're we're saying I can't be authentic. I, I have to put a facade up. So Christ calls us to be authentic with each other, because confession brings cleansing from our sins. So today, here's the thing that we need to understand. It's, it's not funny to me, but I'm going to say the word funny. It's funny to me how many times people find out that I'm a preacher. I'm trying something new this morning. I tried putting my message in here. I don't like it, if y'all can tell. My Bible keeps sliding off, and I've got to hold it. Uh, but it's funny to me, people find out I'm a preacher, and I say, oh, I, I wouldn't have said that if I'd known you as a preacher. <laughs> well, what difference does it make? Because listen, God knows us, doesn't He? And I always respond that way. Hey, God hears everything. I'm just a man. I'm just a person. And, and for you to say, "Well, I can't respond to you this way because because you're a preacher," we need to realize that God knows our past. Now, look there in verse ten. This is First John, starting in verse ten. If we claimed we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. Now, that's getting serious, isn't it? If, if John says, if you claim to, to, that you've never sinned, you make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Now, the reason I pointed out verse 8 a while ago, at first glance, that looks the same, doesn't it? At first glance, we see, well, he says in verse 8, if you claim to be without sin, and here in verse 10, he he says, if you claim not to have sinned. The difference is this. There is a difference. The first time in verse 8, he's talking about that sin that you've inherited. So he wants us to understand we've inherited a sinful nature. Regardless of who we are, of what we've done, we've inherited a sinful nature then he goes beyond that and says here in verse 10, if you claim that you've not sinned, and what that's talking about, you've actually broken the very laws of God. You've actually broken what God has told us not to do and what God has commanded us not to do. You've actually broken those things. Now, I know of no one, really, that have ever said that with their lips, that, hey, I, I, I don't actually, I've never actually sinned. But let me tell you where we see it, where it kind of comes out, is somehow after Christians Christian starts living a life, they're born again, they've accepted Christ, they've asked for forgiveness, and because of that, all of a sudden, we begin to think, hey, I'm a new creation, so I'm not, I'm not sinning any longer. And we try to make people believe that. Hey, I was born again. I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And because of that... My sinning has ceased. Now, we can admit, hey, I had a sinful nature. I inherited that from Adam. I got saved. I got a new nature. But now I don't sin anymore. John says, if, if that becomes our ideal, then we're saying, God, you're a liar. And, and His word has no place in our life, has no place in our heart. So, so those who say that, that say, I'm a, I'm a new creation. They, they say, I'm going to press on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget what's behind me, and I'm going to forget all those things. But there's a problem with that. Folks, we need to remember where we came from. If you want to be an authentic Christian, remember where you've been. You know what that helps us do? That helps us not to look at somebody else and say... This, tsk. Isn't that terrible? Did you see what they did? Hey, I heard so-and-so did this. I was down there, and I saw them do this. Who was it saw me buying that beer in the grocery store? Who was that? Charlotte, was that you? <laughs> it's true. I was. And you know what was so funny? I had a six-pack sitting here in my basket, and I met one of y'all. I don't know if you're here today, but you remember it if you are. Don't try to be unauthentic. <laughs> and y'all, Cali, can't see my eyes. But here's how the conversation went: Hi, Jake. How are you? <laughs> and I felt compelled to say, "We're making beer butt chicken at home." <laughs> you know, I felt compelled to explain. But you know what? I let them go a little while, <laughs> just wondering. And I could ask any of y'all here today, and you would say oh i i don't think there's nothing wrong with having a drink. You can ask me, and i 'll say the same thing, but you say that, but when you see your preacher pushing a six pack down the aisle, the truth comes out <laughs> it's okay for me, but you're the preacher. See the problem with that is is we 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 put this facade out as as hey you're a new creation and and Things of the past are gone away. And and I don't struggle with those things anymore. And when we begin to do that, we get a a picture of perfection that we want others to see. But folks, when we can look back and realize we've been there, I've been there, I've lived that. I'm not saying that we don't forgive ourselves. I'm not saying that we carry around a guilt of something that we've had in our past. I'm saying we don't forget it. And and you may be thinking this morning, Well, I'm not sure that I believe that, because all I've ever taught, been taught, or been told was, hey, when you're forgiven, you need to you need to be forgiven, you need to accept that forgiveness, and you need to move on. Well, what that we need to forget, we need to realize is we do need to accept that forgiveness. We need to unload that guilt. We need to forgive ourselves, but we're not going to forget. We don't have the ability to forget. So we're going to have that in our mind. And I want you to think about Paul. If you want an example of someone who was lost, who was born again, but never forgot their past. He didn't feel guilty about it. He didn't worry about forgiveness. He knew God had forgiven him, that God had cleansed him, that God had purified him. But look what he says over in Galatians chapter 13, verse 1. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Jerusalem. You know about it. Folks, God knows about it. Your friends may even know about it. Hey, you've heard about my previous way of life in Jerusalem, how intensely I persecuted the church of God, and I tried everything I could to destroy the church. That was Paul. He's talking to a church in Galatia. He got up in front of him and said, Folks, there's no doubt, y'all know my past. I haven't forgotten my past. That was one of his very first letters that he ever wrote was, hey, you know me, you know that I was zealous to destroy the church. In one of his very last letters he wrote was over in Timothy, 1 Timothy. He says, even though I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ. Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You see, Paul never lost sight of where he had came from. And when people looked at Paul, they knew he was authentic because he didn't have to put on some false facade that people would look at and say, well, Paul has arrived. From his first letter to his last letter, he said, I am what I am simply through the grace of God. And folks, when we can begin to live our lives of understanding God knows our past, but He loves us anyway. When we can come to that point, we're living a life of an authentic Christian. See, God calls us to authenticity with each other because He knows all the details of all of our past. Do you ever think about that? Maybe God's placed you in this church because He knows the details of your past. And maybe He placed someone else in this church because He knows the details of their past. And He needs you to be together so that you can grow and that you can learn and you can be more of what God wants you to do because of the things that's happened in your past. See, God calls us together. I want you to hear this statement God knows every detail regarding our life. He knows every mistake. Yet He loves us anyway. Isn't that an amen? Listen to this. God knows every degrading detail. He knows every humiliating mistake. But He loves us anyway. That's great news, folks. That's something we can leave here and say, you know what? That's great. God, He knows everything. But He loves us anyway. That's difficult for me to comprehend, but it's true. That God loves us anyway, regardless of our play. God knows your story. He knows my story. He's acquainted with every detail. He knows everything that we did yesterday and last night and Friday and Friday night and last week. He knows all of those details, yet He loves us just the same. Here's the last thing this morning. When we think about this and we put it all together, we realize that we've all sinned. We realize that, that confession brings purity and brings cleansing. We, we realize that, that God knows all of us. He knows our past. He knows everything about us. Even in the midst of all that, Jesus is enough. Amen? He's enough. If you will, look here in, in 1 John chapter 2. Chapter 1 is kind of as emphasizing this, this walking in the light or this call to authenticity. That's what we've been talking about. But it kind of carries over into, verse, into chapter 2. So, so 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay? But if anyone does sin, we we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. We have an advocate who is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. So what John does here, he, he ends chapter 1, he's talking about this call to authenticity. He continues in chapter 2 because I think what happened is John is writing this, and he's writing that God knows us, God forgives us, he's writing all of these things, and then he begins to think, I, I don't want people to think it's okay to sin. I don't want people to think that, that hey, God's, God's okay with sin. He's, he's going to forgive me. He's, he's gonna, we're going to move on. He knows my past. He knows my future. He knows that I'm going to sin. See what John did? He came back and he said this, God's not okay with sin. And that's what he writes right there in chapter 2, verse 1. God's not okay with sin. And, and we need to realize that he emphasizes sin is still wrong. And, and we're going to keep on struggling our whole lives with sin. Authentic Christians, born-again Christians, Christians that love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind, we're going to continue to struggle with sin. Why? Because we've got an old sinful nature warring with a new nature. You remember what Paul said? Paul said, man, I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. And the reason being is there is a struggle going on in my life. It's a struggle. There's a war raging. An old nature and a new nature. And they're at battle together. And John wants us to understand that, but look at this. This is the good news. This is something this morning that we can say, Hallelujah! Boy, this this tickles me to death. We can't continue sin. God doesn't like sin, but we're going to sin. But we have one who speaks. In our defense. That, that word means an advocate. That means an attorney who goes before us, who goes to God the Father and says, you know what, I'm going to defend this person. If you're a born-again Christian, you have an advocate, you have a defense attorney who is Jesus Christ himself. And when he goes before God the Father and he begins to say, God, God look at Jake down here. And God might say, well, yeah, you know, he's, he's a sinner. And, and you know what? Christ is going to say, yes, but he's been forgiven because the blood that I shed on the cross has covered Jake. And, and I paid the price for his sins. And, and because of, of the forgiveness that you offered, he's been forgiven and, and he's our advocate. As Satan stands before God and accuses us, you know the Bible teaches that? The Bible says this, Satan stands before God, accusing the brethren constantly. That's what Satan's doing. He's standing before God, constantly accusing us. Hey, look at Neil. Look at Jeremy. Did y'all see what he did today? Did y'all see what Denise did today? God, did you see that? you? You know what? We have someone else that's Jesus Christ who says, wait a minute, I object. I'm going to step in their place and and God the Father, you've given me that person and they've responded to your call and I'm here to defend. And what my defense is, it's based on the death, the atoning sacrifice that took place on the cross of Calvary. And we stand before God as cleansed and forgiven. God calls us to authenticity with each other because Jesus Christ is God's provision for our sins. Jesus Christ is God's provision for our sins. Several years ago I was a youth minister and uh I had a young man in my youth group and he came in, he said, Brother I don't think called me brother Jake, they called me Jake and he said, uh he said, I wanna to talk to you. And we sat down in my office and uh he was kind of a high maintenance guy and he, he began to he began to tell me all kinds of stuff that he dealt with. And I just listened to him and, and uh he got to a point. He said, "You don't, you don't seem that surprised." And I said, "Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> don't worry, y'all don't know this guy. He was he lived in Allen, <laughs> so most of you, most of you wouldn't know him. Uh, but uh, I said, I'm really not surprised." And he he went, <laughs> "Why is that?" And then I said, "Because I've dealt with some of the same things that you deal with." And he just sat there. And he said, "Really?" <laughs> and I said, "Man." I was a teenager. <laughs> I had the same struggles you got. I, I dealt with some of the th- same things you did. And I was able to I was able to come to him and say, "You know what? But but God already knows those things. And God loves us just the same and and sure I had to deal with my sin. Sure, I have to confess my my sin. Sure, I had to I had to give an accountability for my sin, but but when I recognized that and when I confessed to God, he he forgave me and he cleansed me of those sins. And I said, Chris, you can do the same thing. You can recognize those sins and you can say, God, I I want you to forgive me and I want you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness and, and God will use you just the same. And it was a great time for him and it was a great time for me just to be a reminder that, you know, God knows our past. And when we look around at other Christians and we think, I've got to be perfect because they're perfect. We need to realize we're all in the same boat together. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We shouldn't look at someone and go, I can't believe you've dealt with that. We need to say, you know what, I've been there. Maybe I haven't dealt with that sin, but I've dealt with a sin just like it. I've been the same place. And God calls us to authenticity with each other. The modern-day church, it's to our shame that people have to go to groups out in the world and go to different groups to, to find healing, because that's the only group where they can find authenticity. They have to join some group out in the world and say, this is the only place I can confess that I'm having these struggles and dealing with these struggles. That's to the church's shame, folks. Our church needs to be a place where we can come, we can be honest before God, we can be honest before another, not worried about judgment, not worried about what people might think or what people may say, but we can sit down and we can be authentic. Christians together. Amen? That's where we need to be working to get as a church, and I hope as we think about the authenticity that God calls us to have and God calls us to be, that we would be the one to say, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm tired of being G.I. Joe and, and I'm tired of being Barbie and Ken and coming in and putting this fake facade on. I, I just want to be real. I just want to be before God, and I want to be real, and I want to be who I am, who God created me to be, that I may be able to reach out and minister to God's people. Let's bow our heads together this morning.